All right, we'll welcome you back. Amen. It's good to have you at Radiant Springs Church. If you helped out last week, we had an incredible turnout last week. And uh, we're hoping that we can carry some good momentum going into this fall and uh, see what God's going to do. So last week we talked about who? David and Goliath. Defeating the giants in your life is what we talked about. You know, um, David would take out Goliath that day, right? He'd be done with. But Israel's conflict with the Philistines would keep going on. It would, it would go on. In fact, Saul would die. Saul and Jonathan, his son, David's close friend, would, would die at the hand of the Philistines. And so the Philistines would be a thorn in Israel's side for many, many years to come. You know, and, and many victories can happen. Victories can happen in a single day. Boom. Just like Goliath. David took him out, right? But I find that a lot of victories in our life take place in the day-to-day struggle, if we can call it that. The day-to-day living and the grind of life. And in that pursuit, it seems like at times we can be spinning your wheels, all right? Maybe you're stuck in the snow and the wheels just spin, right? No matter how much you step on the gas, you're going nowhere, right? Okay? Or maybe you're in mud, right? And you're just stuck. And you're, you know, you're flinging mud, but you're not going anywhere. And sometimes it seems like that is the case in our own daily life. We take two steps forward and one step back, right? Um, so in the passage that Christy read earlier, David says, You took me out of the slimy pit and the mire, and you put me on a firm place to stand. And so David is talking in military terms that if you were fighting a battle and you were stuck in the mud, that would be not a very good position, right? You're stuck. You can't defend yourself. You can't move. You're stuck. You're going to slip. You're going to slide. You're defenseless to some degree. But when your feet are on the solid rock, you have a firm foundation. You're able to defend yourself, right? And so we're going to talk this morning about being rock solid. How can we build our life upon a rock-solid foundation and um, defeating the things in our life and living a victorious Christian life. Amen? So the question is, in a life that is full of ups and downs, how can we gain traction in living a consistent Christian life, right? I, I don't, unless you're just really unique and special, most people just don't live life just going up, 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 up. There's valleys, you look at people in Scripture, they would have these high points and then the God would take them into the valley. And then they would have these high points and then they would go into the valley. That is life. In fact, we grow in the valleys, so there's some good things about the valleys. But it's also a little more difficult and grinding in the valley. All right? It's hard work. So I want us to look at building a good foundation for our lives. And so to do that, well, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 7, so the teaching of Jesus. It is part, it is, these last few verses are kind of the capstone of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 5 of Matthew, and it goes through the end of chapter 7. And so it's called the Sermon on the Mount because it happens on the Mount of Olives. It's just a hillside outside of Jerusalem. And there Jesus would teach this group of people that are there, and he teaches them on a multitude of things, all right? I'll highlight a few of those, but you can just kind of glance back if you want to look. 
But he touches on a multitude of things, and then he ends with these few verses that we need to catch, all right, if we want to build our life on a good foundation. And so before we begin, let's just bow our heads in prayer and ask God's help. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that you would make it come alive to us, Lord God. It is the living word of God. And I pray that um, you would just speak to us, Lord. We need your help. We need your strength. We need you in our life. And we need your word to transform our lives. So we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Everybody said, amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1, not 1, 24 through 27. Jesus says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man that built his house upon the, the rock. The rains came down, maybe you may remember this from children's ministry, children's church, Sunday school. The rains came down, there was a song like it. I remember singing it when I was a kid. The rains came down, I don't know. Anyway, there's one on the flood too. Um, it was like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because its foundation was on the rock. Everyone who hears these words are mine, but does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell in a great crash. Man, you ever seen when flooding hits the California coast or when they, um, the shoreline is eroding and those big, you know, million-dollar homes, all of a sudden they just slide right into the ocean, right? Not a good foundation. What do, we, what do we learn just from these few verses? There's a few things that I want to pull out, three specifically, so I'm downsizing from six down to three, okay? All right. What are some things we can highlight here? First of all, storms impact the righteous and unrighteous. Did you catch that? Both the wise builder and the foolish builder encountered the storm. When a natural disaster rolls through, like Hurricane Ida, it fell on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, and and in life, to say that as a Christian you're exempt from any hardship would be, I think, would be wrong, right? Right? And sometimes I think I've maybe heard some teaching like that. We're not exempt from it, folks. We're not exempt from getting sick. We're not exempt from having financial challenges. We're not exempt from having storms hit us. Although I think there are times where people have testified that tornadoes come in and it missed their property or it missed their land. It went, went around them, right? I've only been through two hurricanes, and that's pretty good for a person that has grown up in the Midwest, all right? And I did that all within two-week time span. I hit... I, went through two hurricanes. Both of them missed us. One went to the north, one went to the south, right? Storms impact the righteous and the unrighteous. And as a follower of Jesus, you will encounter storms in your life, okay? If, if you don't think that's the case, it, it is. You will encounter storms. In fact, storms and tests, God will allow some of them. Some of them he's going to spare you from. But somehow he's going to let you go through because he wants your faith to be built. He wants it to be stronger. It's a test. I know we all love tests, don't we? 
Luke loves tests, right? We love tests. Not really. But see, that's where we grow. That's how we know, hey, is my faith growing, right? And I don't know what storms or challenges you or your family may face. They may be individual to you, okay? Maybe a health challenge or financial or something. Or maybe it's something that we all go through together. There's, you know, accounts in the book of Acts where persecution broke out in all the church and all Christians. And right now, I can guarantee you in, in the reports I'm getting back from Afghanistan and some of those places, the Christians are going through a very difficult time, right? And that's something that they're going through together. China, the persecution has been upscaled quite a bit there recently in China. Th- these Christians are going through something together, not because they're doing anything wrong, but because they bear the name of Christ, right? They're going through a storm. They're going through a storm, and it's testing the foundation of their house. So I don't know what challenges that you will face, are facing, or will face. What I do know is that storms will come. They come to every person. So if you're going through a storm right now and you think, you know, it's just you, no. It is part of being human. You will have tests and challenges that will impact your life. What's interesting to note about the parable is that they both have storms that encounter their life, right? Hit their house. The difference in the outcome is determined by the what? The foundation that their house is built upon. So what made the wise builder and the foolish builder, what was the difference between the two? They both hear the word of God, right? They both heard it. What was the difference? Lock and sand. One of them, yeah. One of them put into the practice the teachings that they heard, and one did not, right? They both hear it, but only one put it into practice, right? So let's talk a little more about that. Point number two is hearing the Word of God is meaningless without obedience. Just last night, we were at a birthday party, and uh, I heard a mom cry, you know, trying to correct their, their daughter a couple times, and eventually she had to go over there and, and do the correction. Why? Because the daughter heard, but, but she wasn't obeying, right? She was not obeying. And if you are a parent, you know that there are times that your son or daughter he perfectly hears you. There's nothing wrong with their hearing. They're just choosing not to obey, right? Okay? And I know none of you did that as a child, all right? All right? Although some of your parents have talked to me about it. Obeying is different than just hearing. Listening is that idea that, listening usually carries that idea that I'm hearing, but I also intend to obey it or follow through with that. And that's what Jesus was getting at. He was going through all these teachings. What was he talking about? He was talking about um, the Beatitudes. Okay, that's how he begins with the Beatitudes. And he talks about being salt and light in this world, being a light to the world. He talks about that you shouldn't murder somebody. You shouldn't commit adultery. We talked about that on Wednesday night. It came up in the Ten Commandments. And, you know, a lot of our young people didn't know what adultery was. So we went into what adultery was. Adultery is when you break your oath, your covenant with the person you're married to, right? You're unfaithful, right? To the person that you are married to. Um, Divorce. You know, divorce is, um, it's more than, marriage is a covenant between a husband and a wife, but it is also, you're involving God in the process, right? 
And so it's a covenant you make before God, not just before the, the law of the land, but before God. Making promises we can't keep. He talks about oaths. Retaliation, revenge, he talks about that. He talks about loving your enemies. Who in the world would talk about loving your enemies? Jesus does. Generosity to the poor. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about giving to God. He talks about anxiety, that it's not to be part of our life. He talks about judging other people. And he talks about seeking God. So the people are amazed at what Jesus has to say. And what Jesus is concluding with in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, the difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder is they both hear the message, but only one puts it into practice. Can you say, ouch? Yeah. You know, often I hear people, you know, they'll come up after the message and say, you know, that was a good word or good message. And, and that's good. That's good. But where the rubber meets the road is when we leave here, when I leave here. Okay, I'm not exempt. You know, I can preach it, but if I don't put it into practice, I'm no different than anybody else, right? The difference is when we leave this place, do we put into practice what we've engaged in? When we go to small group and we study the Word of God and we interact with it, and there's times it's going to challenge us. I can guarantee it. It's going to challenge that human nature and we're going to have that choice, do I follow God's word or do I do what I want to do? It is then it is then that we have to submit our life to Christ, right? And we have to put it into practice. So the key was going to be is how many people would leave that hillside changed or unchanged? How many would leave that day living differently? And how many would just leave just doing the same thing that they'd always have done? Say, wow, man, he was a great preacher, wasn't he? but their life wasn't changed. The difference is one put it into practice and one did not. Which leads us to our last point. Obedience to God's word requires what? I'll let Chris put it up there. Hard work. That's what you wanted to hear this morning, wasn't it? It requires hard work. And I, you could say it some other way, but the best way I know how to put it is it requires hard work. At least up front it does. A lot of things that are worth doing require hard work up front, and then you, you, once you get those things established, then you can kind of coast. Not coast, but it, it becomes easier. All right? It's like going to the gym, and I'm going to probably use this analogy a few times here. But going to the gym, the first couple times are the hardest, Right? And maybe not necessarily the first time because you're going there and you do all the, you know, you do it all. It's the second and third time because now you're sore, right? Right? And you're stiff. But it's hard work. But it becomes better as you keep on going, right? It becomes better. Obedience to God's word is hard work. Now, a little bit of background on our, on our parable that Jesus is teaching here. In the land of Israel... There was topsoil that during the dry season was very hard. Okay? It was hard. It almost felt like a rock. And so the temptation would be to build your house on that soil because, after all, it seemed pretty hard and sturdy, right? Problem is, there was is clay and sand in there. 
Okay, so it was hard when it was dry, but what happens when it got wet? It became mushy, mucky, and the house would shift. And when a house begins to shift, that foundation shifts, the house begins to crumble. And so a wise builder would do the hard work of digging through that hard topsoil to get down to the bedrock. Okay, and back in those days, they didn't have backhoes. They didn't have some of those other earth-moving materials, equipment. And so they would have to do it by hand and with the tools that they had. And I can guarantee you that would be a lot of work to get down there, to get down to that rock. But once they got down to that bedrock and built the house on there, it could rain, it could wind could blow, the house was going nowhere. You getting my analogy here? You getting his analogy? Obedience is hard work. It means digging through that topsoil until we get our life built on that rock of Christ. It takes hard work. Get back to my notes here. So what does the hard work of obedience look like? What does it include? How can we do that? There's four things here. You... These are, I don't know if these are in, they, I think they might be in the loop bulletin there. Um, you can write these down. First of all, it includes surrendering your life to God's plan. You know, when we come to Christ, it's more than praying the prayer of salvation, saying, God, come into my life. It's saying, God, be the Lord of my life, and I'm going to surrender my life to God. And, you know, that maybe seems easy, but there again, it comes back to when my nature wants to do this thing, but God's word is saying I should do this. And, th- and, and the more you just say, you get it done with and say, I'm surrendering my life to God, I'm going to do what he says, the easier you're going to be. Because if you don't settle that right up front, you're going to be fighting that battle your whole life until you just say, God, my life is yours. All right? It's like going on a diet and you can't eat cake. And all of a sudden you see that cake, it's like, oh, man, I just want that cake. Just one piece. It's a battle, right? But if you just resolved, I'm not going to do cake, right? You just go on with your life. You do other things, right? Enjoy other foods. Surrender your life to God. Once you get that thing out of the way and just say, God, I, my life is yours. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do the best I can. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to trip and fall. But it means that life is going to be a lot simpler because you've made that decision. If you try to ride the fence, as we call it, you're going to be, you're always going to be torn. You're going to be miserable, quite honestly. You're going to be miserable. Surrender your life to God's plan. Number two, get into God's word. Read it, listen to it at church, be part of a small group. Whatever way you can get into God's word, get into it. Be intentional about it. Be disciplined about it. And it goes to, if you want to have, okay, I I lifted weights when I was in high school, so I kind of go back to that illustration. But if you want a muscular physique, it's not going to happen by getting a gym membership, right? You buy, put down the money. There's a lot, did you know a lot of people buy the gym membership and they only go once or, two, once or twice a month, right? That's not going to give you a muscular physique. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if you buy the nicest workout clothes, right, Aaron? It's not going to happen, right? Not going to happen. You're only going to get there by getting into the gym, pumping the iron, breaking the sweat, putting in the hard work. And it doesn't just happen overnight, unfortunately. Man, it's like you go and get this good workout and you expect it. It's a process, right? 
day after day, the process begins to work. And you get the results. And I think sometimes in the Christian life, we think, you know what, man, I went to church, I went to a small group once, and I'm going to be this outstanding Christian, and the storms come, and it's like, we're just knocked right off our foundation. Because, yeah, we may maybe got in a church here a little bit there, but we don't have a solid devotional life. And we just haven't built the foundation that's necessary to keep us on the rock. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen as we get into the grind of daily living and make that part of our life. Now, the third point is pretty crucial because if you don't have this third point, all you're going to have is legalism. All you're going to have is rules and I have to do this, I have to do that. The third is prayer life, right? You have to have spend time with God in prayer because that's our communication with God. That's our relationship, all right? If you don't have that in place all is kind of like the pharisees they had their list man they were good they looked they looked spiritual on the outside but it said inside they were like a grave they're ugly there was death there was sin because they didn't have a relationship with god the prayer is our relationship with god to spend time with him there again it's not a checklist it is spending time with god just as you would with your best friend, as you would with your spouse, as with, with your children. It is communication with people, and it is communication with God is what prayer is. Amen? And number four, surround yourself with people on the same journey. I think this is important. It doesn't mean that you don't have unchristian friends. I, do, I have a lot. And I, I, I am part of things. I do teammates. It gets me into the schools. I go to football games and basketball games. I, 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 I'm part of things in the community um, so that I get to know people out there. I need those, okay? And that's the only way. Otherwise, we kind of get in our own, own little bubble. We never interact with people that need Christ. Amen? But we have to surround ourselves with people on the same journey. So that might be our small group. That might be church on a Sunday morning. The thing, beautiful thing about a small group is it's a little more accountable. Okay, In a bigger setting like this, people can be gone for a Sunday or two. Maybe nobody notices it. I, I usually notice, but other people may not notice as much, right? And there's nothing wrong with missing a Sunday, folks. It's, okay, we all have things that come up and things to do, right? But to have that accountability to know, hey, how are you doing this week? And maybe you're ha- encountering a tough week. Who are you going to talk to? Are you going to just try to deal with it on your own? Or do you have people that can pray with you and, and um, encourage you? That's what the small group, the small group is a little more, and I wasn't intentionally doing this message to promote small groups, but it ties in real well, so I'm going with it, okay? All right. <laughs> That's why we pray together. We can talk about prayer requests. We can do some of the things on a, on a smaller level that maybe we can't always do on a Sunday morning. We need those relationships because the storms of life are going to hit. And it's kind of nice to know that we have somebody else that is praying with us or encouraging us or rejoicing with us when things go well, right? There's a good one, right? Things do go well, folks, all right? There are victories and things to celebrate. We want to do that as well. Find others to, to do the journey with you, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, other people outside your family that are walking with you. 
find others. Surround yourself with people on the journey. Amen? I'm going to have the musicians come. Amen. So the question is, where are you at this morning? Question for myself, even. Which camp do you fall in to? The wise builder or the foolish builder? You don't have to raise your hands. But what camp do you fall into? How many times have you been guilty of hearing the Word of God, but then going off and just doing what you've done in the past? Just like people that were on that hillside with Jesus, there was people that left and their lives were totally changed. And then there were others that nothing changed at all. They heard the Word of God, but they didn't let it transform them. It begins with hearing the Word of God. And, you know, I've been doing this pastoring thing over 30 years, 48 years since I've accepted Christ and asked Him into my life. Don't ask how old I am. I'm 43. But if I've learned anything, it's to put in the hard work now at the beginning to build that firm foundation. Because if you do that part, then there's other things that fall into place and it becomes easier down the road. But if you try to take the easy way at the beginning, build on that sand, on that topsoil, you actually create more work for yourself down the road when we take shortcuts. Build upon that sure foundation. Dig into God's Word. Let it change and transform your life. It's nothing that you can totally do on yourself, but at the same time, you have to be intentional. You have to be disciplined. And you have to yield yourself to God, to the process. And when you do, God comes with His Holy Spirit and He does what you cannot do. He renews your mind, Romans says. He transforms our heart. He sets us free from addictions in our life. He gives us a new heart. And it is then you'll be secure and confident and have peace and you'll be blessed. And Jesus says that He came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Amen? Amen. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation this morning. And the question that we all have is, is our life built upon the rock of Christ? And are we taking steps to do that in our own life? And maybe we've heard the Word of God, but we've, we haven't done anything with it. And maybe today is that day. Maybe whether you're listening online or here today, today is the day that you need to do something about it. It's decision day. And you need to make that decision that I'm going to build my life upon the rock of Christ. No more cutting corners. No more taking it easy. Today is decision day. And so if that's you, I'm just going to encourage us all to pray. A prayer of salvation to invite Christ into your heart and life. And so let's pray that together today. Father, saying, dear God, come into my heart and my life. Let your word change and transform me. And let me build my life upon the rock of Christ and help me to glorify you with all that I do. 
We give you the thanks and the praise. In your name we pray, amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, this morning, help us to build our life on that sure foundation. And Lord God, give us the, the heart to dig down and to do in the hard work, Lord. It's to be disciplined just in our time with you, Lord God. We don't want to make it a rule, but at the same point, the things that are worth doing are worth being intentional about. And Lord God, help us to just put that first place in our life, that it's, whether it's our personal time with you, whether it's just being part of a small group, being on church on Sundays, Lord, whatever the case may be, that we put ourselves in that environment that we can build our life upon you, Lord, and grow, mature, and be complete in you. Lord, we give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. Praise God. Greet each other as you leave. Um, Sign up for a small group. The books are there. So if you want to grab your book and you're all ready for this week.